This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Good morning. Welcome into the Insiders here on ESPN 1320. I'm James Ham. Kyle Matson is on vacation still, so we have... Jesse Tapia filling in this morning. What's going on, Jesse? Nothing much. How do I get to do this after Kings win? Yeah, this, it's nice, right? Like, it's just way different, like, to have a conversation after uh, a big Kings win. Yeah, the vibes are all up. Like, like we have, like, a, like say, people are just happier in general, you know, and stuff like that. We don't have to come in on our A game. and We're we'll always coming on our A game. But, you know, people are just less on you when, when, <laughs> when, when they win. They're a little, little bit more lenient. Uh, I think so. I, I think we already have, you know, some people are still wondering, like, what's going on with this team? Like, what's going on with De'Aaron Fox? Uh, like, there there are some things that people want to know about. But at the same time, I think when you have a victory like the Kings did, 122-107 to over the Atlanta Hawks last night, you you just kind of have to take it in. Like, yeah, that's it, when you take a deep breath after. Yeah, you snapped a four-game losing streak, a five-game losing streak, heading into a seven-game road trip. Probably would have been disastrous. And this would have spun out. Uh, the team is six games over 500. They're exactly the same spot they were in last season or right around the same spot they're in last season. But, Jesse, like, do you feel like the like the ebb and the flow, the the way that the overreactions and the – is this just where we're at with this team? Like it's going to be this way where like one day we get to see the, the happy-go-lucky fan base, another day we get to see the vitriol? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is where I'm at with the team. It's just kind of like like coming out of that game, it's like, yes, they won and all that. Um, Harrison Barnes played well. You got multiple um, contributions from a lot of different players and all that. But it's also like, okay, maybe do this again for the next week. And then maybe do that again for the week after that before I'm like, oh, nice, Kings are back and all that. Yeah, so I last season I kept telling people from the beginning, like I'm not ready to commit to anything. Like they have to show. They have to show me. That not only are they good through the All Star break, are they good through December, but once we get after the All Star break, you need to show me that you can play, right? Because that's usually when, uh, when the NBA gets much more difficult is from that last 25, 27 games after the break, and that's where realistically this team proved to me that they were a good team, and and was really convincing. I mean, they were one of the better teams in the NBA after the break. I'm still kind of feeling that same thing. Like you're 41, 42 games in, you're all over the board. I, I think we can say that this team is highs and lows are all over the place, but you do have to like sort of take in the good moments and the good moments are, you know, beating a team that you should have beat a team. That's not very good. A team that's missing their, their best player, a team that in all honesty is ready to blow it up. That team is, it's so close to blowing everything up that like we're like right on the cusp. Like, yeah, I mean, grand scheme of things, like as bad as it, I don't even know if I say it's bad, but as off and on as it's looked this season for the Kings, like there's like you said, there's still six games over. Like they're not, it's not, it's not doom and gloom, but it just hasn't looked great. Yeah, I mean, I, like you, ideally, this is probably still a first round playoff team. I think now they're in the play in, but I mean, I could see any of the teams um, they're grouped in there right now. So, how big is the concern is that that the Sacramento Kings right now sit at seventh, seventh in the Western Conference? And of course, they're they're in a situation where if the season today, they would have to play and they'd have to earn their way into the into the actual play. I say it's a concern. Yeah, cause we had a lot of seed left. And I like even if they were into the play and um, they have many games they needed to to get to the playoffs, like that's still fine. I think it's if you lose in the play and we kind of you kind of have to assess it. like 
like it, well, obviously you don't want to be in there, but you had a chance to get out and you didn't. So what went wrong? Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. We saw something totally different happen last night. Uh, Harrison Barnes was absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal from the opening tip. Phenomenal all the way through the game. Um, scored 20 points this season now three times. One time on opening night, one time in November, and now last night's game. It almost felt to me like, I, I don't want to say showcase game, but I want to say this game. I, I want to say, like, the Kings came out of a three-day break. They ran so many plays for Harrison Barnes. It wasn't just, like, him hitting open jumpers. It wasn't him going and grabbing rebounds and putting the ball back in. They ran plays for him repeatedly, and I thought that that was interesting because I mean, I, I've kind of been of the opinion that he could do that if you asked him to, but they haven't asked him to. And we go from one game where he has two shots to the next game where he has twenty. It's a little strange. Yeah, so like you do, like you make a point there, or whatever. Like he, like where has this been? You haven't been running anything for him. So like when you say showcase game, do you think it's something where it's just kind of like for these other teams, like hey, like he still has value and stuff like that, or like like what do you think? I guess the goal is of that. Yeah, I, I mean for me, I mean number one, it could be to show the fan base like, look, this guy, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just the fifth option. And Mike Brown talked about it you know, in, in post game, like he's been the fifth option, maybe even the sixth option, especially with Kevin Herter coming out of his slump. At, so if you factor in, you know, Fox being number one, Sabonis being number two, Keegan Murray being number three, and then Herter, and then Malik Monk coming in off the bench, like Harrison Barnes is just a guy who's not getting any any plays called for him. At that, that point, though, I think, all right, you showed us, but like we do, if he is sticking around after the trade deadline, there has to be like some type of happy medium where he's at least doing something. Because like you said, going from two shots to however many, I think, how many did he take yesterday? Was? 20. 20, yeah, going from two to 20, like there's got to be something in between. We're at least getting something consistent from Harris. Yeah, and in his career in Sacramento, I think he's only taken 20 shots twice. So like it was definitely like showing. And what I mean by showcase, like there might be some teams out there saying like, well, why is he not doing anything for your team? Why is he only averaging 10 points a game or 9 point whatever points per game? Like, what's going on there? And it's like you can point to his field goal percentage. You can point to his three-point percentage, both of which are on par with his entire career. But why is he not doing it for you? And I think sometimes you need to say, hey, look, it's just about opportunity. That's it. And so if you are interested, look what he can do. He's still the same player. He's 31 years old. He takes immaculate care of his body. Like There is no reason for us to believe that he's on the huge downswing of his career. So I think this was not only to prove it to the fan base, not only prove it to his teammates, but maybe to show other people out there, like, look, this guy can really play. It's just he's he's kind of in a bad position with our team. Yeah, because realistically, you look at it, like he has the fifth option, you could say, in that starting lineup. You can honestly say probably even the sixth option on the team because they're going to get Malik Monk his shots coming off the bench no matter what. So, yeah, yeah totally. It's not a lot to come around for him, go around for him. Yep. Hey, they hit their free throws. Was that like, a, like a, you want to stand up and like give him a golf clap? Yeah, like, I guess. Yeah, we had to do something for him. I mean, it hasn't happened much, but you finally did it yesterday. You did it. World's greatest cup of coffee. Yeah, maybe do it again. What is it? On Wednesday, they play again? Thursday? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, one of the guys who was really like looked locked in was Sabonis. Like, I was like, oh, look at that. He he fully is is here for it. Like you can tell he is locked in and focused and like, okay, I have to hit my free throws. And oh, so I wonder how much of that just plays into it. The fact that these guys just need to lock in a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's locking in a little bit more, but also like I, I think you get caught up. You get caught up in in the in the action. I know Sabonis is a player that. You know, he's always asking for the review, and then you look at the review, and you're like, dude, you fouled him twice. So I think, like, in the moment, he's so, like, hopped up and, like, intense. Sometimes you just need to, you know. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Be in the moment. Um, we had a lot of other stuff last night. The, the NBA was crazy last night, Jesse. Yeah, did you drop 70? Uh, I dropped 75. Um, yeah, you know, like, what is going on? Embiid. Goes for 70 points and 18 rebounds against Victor Wimbanyama. In Wimbanyama's like, defense, he scored 33 and 7. Yeah, Wimbanyama, that quietly, I think, has been having pretty much a monster stretch these last couple of weeks with his games. Yeah, I think what we had was a perfect formula, right, for a, a guy who's going crazy, who's going off, but at the same time, his team can't separate. 
And so you had to put him back in the game. And it's not like they were padding stats. I mean, maybe they were padding stats, but but to be honest, like it didn't matter. He was so effective and, and efficient. You might as well just keep keep feeding him. And for again, we not only in the Philly game where they won, Philly, you know, he leads them to victory, but then we have the same thing going on over in the Minnesota game. And that's where things got wonky and weird. It, Carl Anthony Towns scored, what did he have, like 44 at the half? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just absolutely wild, 44. He shoots like 10 of 12 from three. He starts to run out of gas, but they lose to the Charlotte Hornets with him going for, what was it, 62? I think it was, yeah, it was around 62. Yeah, he, he finishes with 62. Um, and then after the game, his coach... Uh, like sounded off and, and not in a good way. This was this was about as strange a moment as I can think of in the NBA where a guy goes for 62 and loses. And then yeah, let's let's run the the audio, Jesse. It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball, um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So. This is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. You know, obviously, we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand. But at some point, we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and um, you know, that's just uh, like I said. There's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the the roster. We totally disrespected the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So, Chris, did, did you also see? I mean, did it turn into Carl trying to hunt like a absolutely a, a big number? And yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, but for a while, I mean, it was going. Um, but you know, down the stretch, we you got uh, you know kind of dried up for us. But um, yeah, so. guys, score sixty-two gets called out for hunting. Yeah, they're not too happy over there. Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, this is like the number one team in the West, right? Well, yeah, and that's tough too. Because if I'm cat and I scored like 62, I'm excited. I'm sure my teammates are excited. And then you hear your coach talk about it. And Chris Finch, honestly, is right because they were shot hunting. And even Anthony Edwards hinted, or not even hinted at, he did acknowledge it. Like, yeah, we did get out of our game plan, and we probably didn't play the way we were supposed to. So I get what Chris Finch is saying, but I mean, for Cat after the game, I probably don't feel too good either. I think this is a a coaching moment, which I mean, it, it's possible you lose a room with a with a post game like that. But it's a it's a big time coaching moment where you know you do have a team that's like they're thirty and thirteen things are going well you had a, a your best player have hit the game of his life but there has to be accountability like it, it can't just be about one guy scoring as many as possible and like look if you watch the game I know he put up a bunch of points but and you know maybe his elbow should have been a little bit sore or his wrist from just hoisting but. Cat looked gassed. Like, man, you hear him. Oh, he's already played 37 minutes. Like, okay, like Latrell Sprewell averaged like 41 minutes a game for his career. And this guy's having the game of his life, and even adrenaline can't keep him going. He looked, he easily could have gone for 70 and just tanked at the end of the game where he just couldn't. And then he, he pulled him out of the game, and it was like, holy cow, you just pulled a guy with 62 points? And Sure, if you if you're not playing the game the right way, well, yeah, because at that point coach. you still got to go out and get the get the win, because it's not like um it's not like Devin Booker's where um he scored seventy against the Boston Celtics a couple a few years ago and they're getting blown out so they're just hunting them shots like no you still have an opportunity to win you're still fighting for top the top spot in the West so yeah I get what Chris Finch was doing the whole time yeah I, I totally get it um okay we uh we do have the other news uh, Tristan Thompson Kings legend Tristan Thompson suspended twenty five games by the NBA this morning. Looks like HGH from what the reports are, or something similar. Yeah, some it's like a type of age, like a type of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a big deal for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe it's not. Uh, Miami, and, Miami, and Charlotte pulled off a Kyle Lowry for Terry Rozier trade this morning. So we got lots to talk about. But when we come back, we're gonna have six quick thoughts. Sacramento Kings pick up a one twenty two one oh seven win over the Atlanta Hawks. So we got to talk about it. We're the Insiders. I'm James Ham, Jesse Tapia, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. See you in a sec. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. No Kyle today, but we do have Jesse. And we have a special guest coming in a little bit later in the day. Uh, the one and only Jerry Reynolds will stop by and hang out with us and, and talk hoop, which is always appreciated. Last uh, time Carl was out, Jerry came in here and I was just pretty much sitting back with my feet up in the studio, just listening to him tell stories the whole time. Yeah, he's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's the best. Yeah, Jerry and I, um, again, we used to I used to drive Jerry to the station like in in the Bay Area. So I'd pick him up, him and Doug both, I'd pick them up, drive them down. Uh, Jerry and I, one night, um, in my, I knew it was going to be a bad rainstorm. So I brought bourbon to drive to San Francisco and back, which is like, you know, probably cost me like $300 in gas. Um, but I'm like, oh, it's supposed to, it's supposed to come down but in a torrential down with like 65 mile an hour gusts of wind. I swear it was crazy. I was, I was holding on for dear life, a tank in the center lane and you could feel it swinging there. Jerry's holding on. For dear life, but we, sounds, it sounds like a movie. It, we survived. We, we we stopped at Wendy's and and Jerry had chili. Yeah, I would have stopped at that Wendy's for a couple hours. I that, wouldn't have hit the room after that. That's what we do. We always stop at Wendy's, Jerry. Really. So uh, one better to ride in a car with two hours than than Jerry Reynolds. Just sitting there t- telling stories back and forth. I will take credit for Jerry switching from a flip phone to a an updated phone um, because I would have him use one to look at stats while we were driving. See, that that's big time of you. I know people were like on the flip phone and all that, but it's just the point where you should have to make that switch. Yeah, one, we couldn't come up with a name one time. We we're driving across a causeway. Both of us had a player in our head, but we couldn't come up with the name. And I'm right, Jerry, basketball reference. Here you go. Like, open. I, I opened it up big, so the letters were big. I'm like, tap in the window, type in his name, and Jerry's sitting there. And then, boom, we pull it up, and, like, we figured out who it was. We were both of it. Was, it was a, a good moment for us in the car, but uh, also a uh, one of those moments where he's like, okay, I've got I've got to get a smartphone. It's about that time. It's it's time for me to get a smartphone. Um, oh, it, it, we've got six quick thoughts. That's what we do here uh, after a Kings victory or a Kings loss, but Kings game day. Uh, do we have something? Yeah. What do we got, Jerry? Uh, what do we got? How'd yesterday's Kings game go? Kings insider James Ham has six notes you need to know. Here are James Ham's six quick thoughts. Six quick thoughts. Let's let's get to number one, Jesse. What do we got? Harrison Barnes came to life. After a first half of the season filled with ups and downs, Barnes looked like a new man in this game. Four of eight from three-point land, 32 points, four rebounds, just his third 20-point game of the season, Jesse Tappy. It was nice. It was nice to see. He said he scored 20-plus three times this season. Maybe let's go for 15 over six games. Let's do that. There we go. Like, I think this was, like, I'm not quite dead yet. That's what this moment was for him. Yeah, there's a pulse. Yeah, yeah, there was a pulse. Like, he's he's in the wheelbarrow. They're wheeling him away, and he's saying, I'm not quite dead yet. And sure enough, there he is. Right. Uh, thought number two. Debonis Sabonis had a quiet first half offensively, uh, but didn't stop him from dominating the glass. Sabonis had a really weird game, finishes with 14 points, 21 rebounds. He's He extended his double-double streak to 25, which ties... Oscar Robertson's 
uh, record for the second the second longest record in Kings franchise history. He already owns the Sacramento era record uh, as far as Sabonis does at, at 25 games now, but 25 consecutive games with a double-double leads the NBA in double-doubles. He's, he's having a season where if the Kings were just a little bit better, you wonder like how, how much you'd be talked about when it comes to MVP. Because we did them kind of with Darren Fox, and that's kind of fallen off. But Sabonis is just steady, just monster numbers right now, like, like 18, 12, and um, 10. He's looking like the last couple of weeks. Is he the uh, the NBA's version of Brock Purdy? I don't, I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, he might be. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he doesn't get a lot of credit, I don't think, around the league. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves for being like just a smidge behind Jokic. You know, of course, at this point, Joel Embiid, here's a crazy stat. He had played, I think, 31 games coming the last night. So when you score in order to keep your, your season average at 35, you got to score at least 35 points in that game, right? He added an entire point per game in, in one contest. He went from 35 points per game to over 36 points per game, even though he was already at 35 a game. It's going to be so funny watching that guy, too, because he's probably not going to hit a 65-game mark for um, winning MVP. So it's just going to be the greatest season that just never was, I guess. How is that? Uh, that's a concern, right? He's already at 10 games missed. He's got seven more he can miss in the final 40 games of the season. He could be, like, an like unquestionable like MVP. And not not win it. Oh yeah, there's gonna be some conversations had at the end of the year. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to point number three. Wake up call. Uh, Mike Brown called a couple of timeouts in the third quarter as the team continued to play to the level of competition. Keegan Murray responded. He rattled off eight points uh, to finish with thirteen, and uh, added six rebounds to assist. I thought he was he saw the moment and was really good for a second, and then they went away from him again. But for that moment, while the game was teetering a little bit. I thought he was really good. Yeah, he's he's the X factor of this team this season and going forward. And I mean, for the no, near future, looking at the years coming up, if Keegan's playing well, they're going to be in his position to win. And if he's not, you're going to need something else. But as long as he's on it, I mean, they're going to be good to go. Yep. Um, let's get to uh, point number four. Another quality performance. Uh, Malik Monk didn't put on a show. Uh, he didn't need to. He he still uh, was able to get the a few buckets that were crazy. He had a layup that was wild. Um, he finished with 13 points, eight assists. This wasn't like one of those crazy games, but it was still really good. Yeah, he's he's steady. He's the he's the I think you say he's the third most important player on the Kings right now. We're all waiting for Keegan to eventually become that. But with Monk, I mean, you're always you can always count on him. I think this season. It's funny, like a lot of people think he's the most important player, and I still think it's Sabonis. And you know, I think he's the guy who who does all the the dirty work and all really all the work. Uh, and then, you know, a guy like Monk brings the energy, which changes things, but maybe he is. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like it's always going to be Fox and Sabonis. I'm with you. Like, those are always going to be like your two most important players right there. And then after that, is like where a guy like Monk comes in. Cause I mean, you're always going to need that 30 or 25 a game from Fox. Yep. Um, all right. Let's get to number five. Three days off may have been too many. Uh, De'Aaron Fox didn't have the same bounce in his step that we've become accustomed to. Struggled with a shot, knocking down five for 16 for 12 points, three rebounds, one assist. A lot of fans out there wondering what in the world is going on with De'Aaron Fox. It's just a little bit of a low. But what do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a low, too, because if you look at his um, over overtime at his career, he has had months or moments where he does have like stretches of where he's just not playing you know, that, good, that well of basketball. And I think this is just another one of those times. It happens less now, but I think, yeah, it's just more so just that he's having a little low right now. Yeah, I think we talked to Mike Brown after the game about this, and he said, look, like learning to play at the level that Fox is playing at, this this 30-point-per-game clip that he was at for most of the season, that's really difficult. And he can get there, but he's still a young player who's figuring out not only how to score 30 a game, but how to maintain 30 a game for, for 80 games. And I think he wore himself out a little bit, and then at this point— I also think, you know, the Kings are are showing uh like whether they're showcasing or they're they're letting other players play to like kind of show what's you know, maybe like a little bit of a, a sales technique here. To, yeah, like look at look, look at what I'm selling here. Yeah, yeah. The, and so hey, we need you to take a step back for a couple of games while some of these other guys get going. And and then we'll go right back to what we were doing before, but for right now. And look, Fox isn't a guy who's worried about the all star game. He's not worried about all these things. Um, but he is a player that right now is a little bit of funk, and 
uh, you'd like to see him wake up out of it. Uh, let's get to number six. Uh, Trey Day. Uh, Trey Lyles figures out a way to be effective. Uh, like most games, um, he hit a, a couple of threes. He finished with 10.7 rebounds. To me, he is one of the X factors. When Trey Lyles is playing well, the Kings hardly ever lose uh, when he's around this 10.7 rebounds. But there's also games where he doesn't do that much. And you can still see how impactful he is on the court when he's out there. And I thought this was a good game for him. Yeah, Trey Lyles, he um he intrigues me because he's like he's a role player, so he's only as like core as it gets. But he, like you said, he always has an impact. So you don't want to let guys like that ever go um, and all that. You always want them coming off um, at least off the bench and all that because like he's like I say, he's always had an impact. Whether he's scoring or something else, he's just always you know Trey Lyles is there. Yeah, and I really kind of feel like Trey is is one of those like good teams have players like Trey Lyles on their on their squad. It's just it's one of those things. Like you need players that are super competent that do what he does. An honorable mention out to Davion Mitchell. Uh, I thought he played well in his 22 minutes. Uh, and then again, JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee for a 36 year old man, that dunk was. I mean, he got teed up, but that dunk was absolutely crazy. He still got some athleticism. He does. He's still tall, and he still has long arms too. Yeah, but watching a guy who just turned 36 a couple of days ago go out there and and go wild like that, that was crazy. Um, All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have the Jiffy Lube player of the game. You want to get in on that so you can uh, have your name put in for the Sacramento Kings jerseys we're giving away over the next couple of months. Uh, So we're going to take a break. We're the Insiders, ESPN 1320. See you in a minute. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Loop on ESPN 1320. Welcome back in. I'm James Hamm. You're listening to the Insiders on ESPN 1320. Just happy as joining me here on the show this week. Got no Kyle. Kyle is on vacation. Good for Kyle. Um, but we do have lots to talk about with Sacramento Kings, uh, including the Jiffy Loop player of the game. Uh, we give away wo- a $100 gift certificate after every single Sacramento Kings game. And uh, our player of the game today, uh, the password the password is HB. Harrison Barnes was absolutely tremendous in the game last night. So right now, go to ESPN1320.com. There's a giant Jiffy Lube logo on the screen. Click, uh, put in your information. And uh, plug in HB, just two letters, as uh, your code for to, to be entered into a, a lottery system to win a $100 certificate to Jiffy Lube. On top of the $100 gift certificate, you are one of the winners there. You are also uh, thrown in the mix for one of our four Camino Kings jerseys that we'll be giving away over the next uh, four months. So make sure to jump on board and uh, and get in the running for a Jiffy Lube $100 gift certificate. Nice if we can enter, enter into these contests too. I know we work here, but I could really use a Jiffy Lube gift certificate, especially $100. Yeah. That's, a, that's an all-time giveaway right there. I, I might I might call my guy and say, hey, you know, Jesse and Kyle, they need, they need some of these gift certificates. Yeah. I, I may know a guy, Jesse. I'd appreciate that. I, I may know a guy. Yeah, it's one of the, like... Everybody needs their car serviced, right? So, and I think someone in the chat said they came in this morning and were hanging out behind you. Not, not that that's weird or anything. They were hanging out behind you, stalking you. Yeah. By the way, if you come into the stu- like come into the building, like to get a prize or whatever, like you see me or whatever in the glass or anyone, like just go ahead and knock on the glass. We'll say hi. Okay. Yeah, we're not we're not mean over here. I know Kyle is always worried. And don't like, do it while Kyle and James are doing their show. But like, if you see me in here, usually like I'm prepping or something like that. Yeah, you could say hi and stuff like that. If you see the guys like Damien and Casey. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I tried to uh, like I wanted to scare Kyle, like do someone with the screen mask and like the like a like a blade behind him, like a big fake knife, and just like someone like sneak by like during Halloween, uh, because he sees the reflection, like you see the reflection of people behind you. We might need to do something about that. Like when they're like everyone decides to take pictures right outside of that glass, it gets a little weird. Yeah, it does. It does. So, um, all right, let's let's jump into more Kings conversation. The Kings hit the road. Uh, they now have a seven-game road trip. It starts on Thursday night against the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, 
actually have a home and home back to back. They'll play the Hawks the night before. And like, look, the the Warriors right now, not only on the court have they been in like a state of chaos, but off the court, they've got a lot going on. Uh, the passing of one of their assistant coaches has weighed extremely heavy on this group. Um, they had a couple of, they took two games off where the NBA postponed two games that they'll have to make up later in the season. And even though you take two games off, but it's like, that's like a personal loss that everyone's dealing with. It's not just, oh, we took two games off, now we're back. Like, now that's something you deal with yeah. for, for however long they need to. I think it's interesting, too. Like, I, uh, Marcus Thompson from The Athletic uh, wrote something this morning about, like, Steve Kerr and, like, him navigating this this minefield, right? And Steve Kerr is one of the more thoughtful head coaches that you're going to find in the NBA. And people can dislike some of these rotations and stuff like that, but there's no question that Steve Kerr's like a good man and, and doing his best to try to get a team through this, but it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, and normally I would drive down and, and go to the game on Thursday, but we got a show to do and it's just you and you and I this week. So I don't think there's any way I'm going to scurry down to the Bay area and not get home until one o'clock in the morning, have to flip it around and be back. Uh, but uh, that that's a big game, Jesse. They, they start with the Warriors and they go to Dallas They've got a game in Memphis. Uh, they they play the Heat, who just made the big trade. They play the Pacers, and I'm sure that we're going to see a whole lot of Pascal Siakam and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you got the Bulls and the Cavs, and the road trip ends on on February 5th, and then they have they fly back, they play the Detroit Pistons, and then we have the trade deadline, and then the day after the trade deadline, you have the the Denver Nuggets. Is this like a defining moment in this King season? Because it feels like, like man, if you wreck this this road trip, if you go one and six or two and five, it's going to do some major, major damage. And that's always a possibility because trades can happen. I don't want to say it's a defining one because I don't. I don't think. I don't think though they'll struggle. Like I, th- I think the inconsistencies like they, that they've had this this season. I think they'll show. Like they can win some games. They'll probably go five hundred. I'm thinking or um on on this road trip. I don't think um is defining just because I feel like whatever you feel about this team now, like you'll feel the same after. Like I still like going into it. I do think they need to make a deal. If they go five and one on the road trip, I'm not gonna necessarily say, oh well, you know what? Let's give this team another shot. Just because I mean, how much can you trust from them right now? Yeah, I think that's the case. Like, uh, there is a, a level of concern with what you can trust, right? We can only go off of what we've seen, and what we've seen is a wildly inconsistent team. I think they're playing better lately, and we're not seeing— the, Yeah, that I will say. They are playing better. Yeah, the bad losses uh, are, you know, sure, they, they lost to Philly, but those next three losses were, were games that happened. Those are standard NBA losses. They're not blowouts like so many of the other games. So I think that that's in one sense where you can see that they're playing better. But at the same time, they have to figure out a way to string together something. And I, I know the road is where a lot of teams bond and they get close and they pull together. But this is one of those road trips that's really odd because you have the the trade deadline looming over your head. And, you know, you got some back-to-backs in here. You get Like, if you make a big trade and you don't have players report for 24, 48, 72 hours— and you drop a couple of games because you don't have a full squad or you're running out there with seven guys, eight guys, because you made a, a monstrous trade. I think it's, well, I don't even know if that can happen anymore with the G League and and your two-way players. You should be able to field a team, a reasonable well, team. Well, yeah, but even like then, you're, like they're not playing any really scrubs on this on this little road trip right here. There's always, they're tough teams. Like the Grizzlies and um, Bulls have had their issues, but those aren't pushover teams, I'd say, or anything like that. So you do, like you say, you do make a trade where you're maybe without a Kevin Hurd or without a Harrison Barnes, whoever you want to throw in that example. Like that's, It is going to be tough because, I mean, you bring up whoever you want from the G League, you are going to be shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a problem. And I know a lot of people were, uh, like, their interest was peaked last week when, Kessler Edwards was went, was sent to the G League. And like this is why because you're about to go on a a long road trip where anything can happen and there could come at a, a point where you need Kessler Edwards and you don't just need him to play like 8 minutes. You might need Kessler Edwards to play like 28 minutes in a game and you need him to be ready mentally, physically like prepped and ready to go out there and play. Yeah, we need 20 minutes from you. I mean, do what you do pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting it's going to be an interesting time. Um, of of this group again: Warriors, Mavs, Grizzlies, Heat, Pacers, Bulls, Cavs. None of these teams are world beaters. Like y- you could actually have a really good road trip here, 
this team was excellent on the road last year. They were better at on the road than they were at home. So I, I'm kind of expecting the Kings to have a bit of a bounce back here and and to play well. But I think that's kind of the question with this team, right? We never quite know. Yeah, because you look at them like you can make the argument. I mean, you can also make the argument for them to win to be favored in every game that I'm coming up on this road trip. Just given, I mean, maybe not with the Heat now that they got Terry Rozier and that's a bit of a stronger team. But yeah, you look at the Kings. I mean, there's no team over here where it's like, oh, that's going to be a tough matchup. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that one out. Even with the Cleveland Cavaliers team, who's won what it feels like they've won 10 straight or something like that. They've run some crazy streak as of late. But yeah, looking at it, it's like the Kings, depending on which team we get, they could they could have a good road trip. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a big deal. Um, I don't, does this, tr- does this really for you, if let's say they have a great road trip or let's say they have a really bad road trip, either way, it's not like a, a like a four and three or a three and four. Like there is a big swing in this road trip where you're either like in really good shape or really bad shape. Does that change your idea of what you would want the Kings to do in the last couple of days before the trade deadline? It won't because I think there's a cap with this team. I don't think this roster as it is is going to get you a championship. And I think that's the next step they have to take. Like, I'm not, if I'm the Kings, I'm not making a move or it makes me marginally better or it shows up my bench or anything like that. The next move I'm making is one where it's like, okay, like now we're going to go for this um, this title. So I don't, I don't, like, even if they were to go five and one, like, yeah, I'm still, I still feel how I would. I'm still making a deal if, I'm, if it makes me a title contender. So, yeah, and that's the thing, like the peripheral move. You don't think that they should make like a, like a move to improve that 9-10 spot, 8-9-10. If, if it doesn't affect any of the bigger picture, then go ahead, but that's not like what I'd be focused on right now. Okay. Like if you can make it like kind of like a side move almost where I can make this move, it'll help me a little bit this season, but like I can still go after that big fish maybe in the off season. It doesn't affect like pretty much anything else or whatever, like my assets and all that, then yeah, I'll do that. But uh, yeah, if it affects going after something bigger, then I'm not doing that. Okay. I'm of the same opinion that this team at this point, like it's not like monstrous deal or bust, but it is like rotational altering move or bust. Like if you're going to make a move, it should be pretty solidly like it it impacts a team greatly. Like it's got to be someone who swaps into either the starting lineup or is right there like six, seven, eight on your team. Yeah, because you got DeMontis Sabonis and Darren Fox right now in the prime of their careers. Darren Fox at one point was 30-6. and six. Sabonis is just putting up triple doubles like it's nobody's business. So you want to maximize that for however long they're going to be putting up these numbers. Do you owe it to the, uh, those guys to Absolutely. make a move right now? Yeah, everything everything I'm doing if I'm Monty McNair is based around those two guys. Okay, everything you're doing is based around those two guys. But do you think that at, at some point like this, even like we can talk about the downturn or whatever with uh, De'Aaron Fox, like his, his like his slight struggle over the the last like maybe two three weeks. Do you think like one of those one of the reasons is because of the inconsistency of the rest of the team, and you're feeling he might be feeling like look, we need to make a move. We need we need the help that we need. Clearly, it's not here. We don't have the player that we need. And we need you to go get something that will will alter what we're doing. Yeah, I could see that because you're not getting the contributions you were from like a Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes last year or even anyone else from the bench. Last year was everyone's helping out. You don't even know like Fox and Sabonis are going to show up and maybe it's Malik who's the third guy or Keegan or Herter or whoever else it was this year. It's the same four guys and it's mostly been Fox and Sabonis. Yeah, that's going to weigh on the guys. Yeah, I would say the interesting thing if you just look at last game like as as an example I mean, the Kings score 122 points, and Fox and Sabonis combined for 26. That showed you that this team, and, and even you can even add in 13 points for for Malik Monk. So your top three scorers, and and then even Keegan, I think had 13 points. Like no one went crazy. The only one they went crazy is Harrison Barnes. And then you got contributions up and down the board. You know whether it's Lyles finishing with 10 or Javale with like seven or eight whatever it was, but it, it kind of felt like that's one of those games where maybe even two weeks ago you didn't know how to win if Fox and Sabonis aren't dominating or one or both aren't dominating that you might have lost that game because that's how this team was motoring along. But I think now we're starting to see that maybe there's a possibility that other players can step up and and help you. Yeah, now they're starting to kick out of it a bit. Like I said, I will say, like I still do think they need to make a trade and all that, but I will acknowledge they all are playing like a lot better. It's more so it's not it's it's everyone now. It's not just the four guys that we've talked about all season. Like Kevin Herter, he seems like he's I will say Kevin Herter, he's probably back right now. He's playing good basketball. I think he's been doing it for a long enough stretch. 
And then um, the thing like with Harrison Barnes, like that's cool. You did the 30 and Mike Brown, if you drew all those plays up for him or whatever, you got him more involved. That's great. But maybe we'll draw it up to where he can still get 13 to 15 a game like that. That's the stuff right there that, that can that can change my mind. OK, uh, what do you. Uh, is there some ingredient that you think is causing that where Harrison Barnes is just he just hasn't been able to string together a bunch of games this season? Because it feels like to me like I, I don't know. Do you think it's maybe because they're trying to get Keegan more involved this year? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it, right? So I think we talked about this a little bit, me and Kyle, last week. You know, there's um, there's a way that Keegan plays that's different than than the way, like, Kevin Herter plays, right? So we talk about, like, the, the dribble handoff at the top of the key. When Sabonis hands the ball to Keegan Murray on that the DHO at the top of the key, Keegan likes to spin right off of the the screen and pull up right there at the top of the key for three, right? Where Kevin Herter takes that, he travels like 14 steps. Um, even last night, there was one player where it was like, oh man, you totally walked. Uh, but he he maybe puts a, the one dribble down and then he sets up 15 feet away from Sabonis. He just lets the momentum of the DHO carry him and he just keeps going. And that draws the defense a different way. All of these things impact the other players on the floor. So, again, like if Keegan's just sitting at the top of the key, the two defenders that are defending him and Sabonis, they stay right there and everybody else stays where they're at. When Herter starts dragging all of these people to the side, you see his defender, sometimes you see the big man try to to hedge over and help out, but then you almost see everybody on the court like kind of pushing to follow him out. And it opens up the spacing for everything else. So I think by switching who does that action, right, you, you've you changed a dynamic that maybe you didn't think you were going to change. But in order for this Kings team to be great a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, you have to teach Keegan to do this. This is part of the process. You have to switch from Kevin Herter being the guy that's doing that all the time to now Keegan being the guy that's doing that all the time. And that's how you grow a player. And I think we're starting to see Keegan figure things out. We're starting to see him not just sit right there and take the shot. Sometimes we're seeing him follow through and race to the basket or the 12-foot area, pull up for a jumper. This is all sort of the the process of growing a young player and a young player. And I think the Kings are doing a really good job of doing that. But in the meantime, it can make everything look a little weak and it can hurt you. Like, well, yeah, are, you got now guys like Harrison Barnes, maybe six shots a game and all that, because maybe you're focusing more on Keegan Murray and his development. Yeah, yeah the other guys, like, not suffer, but have to sacrifice because of it. No, that's a good way to put it, because, I mean, they are suffering, but, like, they're suffering at $17 million a year. Yeah. So that suffering, I think the better term is sacrifice. You have to give part of the game away and maybe have, have people on on social media or saying you're up or that you don't have it anymore. Or you're not, you know, they, the Kings need to make a move. I mean, you know how many people were in my mentions the sec out the starting lineup and it was like, you know, face palms and, oh man, Harrison Barnes in the starting lineup again. Cause I know I get why fans like, cause Harrison Barnes is like, we'll just call it what it is. He hasn't been good or at least his numbers haven't been good where he hasn't been put in a position to do what he does. But I mean, the other side of it, like, the offseason, I don't think he was necessarily plan A. So he had to wait around a bit for them to come around and come and get him. And then you constantly hearing your name in the trade in the trade rumors and all that. And then now you're dealing with, all right, we're developing these younger players. So now you're going to take a backseat on this offense. You're not going to get as many shots. So there is the he does have things not working against him, but just things that aren't in his favor. I guess I guess you could say that, yeah. I, that I do see. I think it's interesting too that even when they go to like a second unit, they still don't highlight Harrison, which is probably a mistake. It's but that's probably where I would I would like hey. Like there, there should be a three to five minute window where Harrison Barnes is your second or third best scorer on the second unit, you know, with other guys off the court. Do you think a move to the bench would suit him? We'll say like suit Harrison Barnes. Like I know, like I don't know how Trey Lyles being in the starting lineup or whoever you insert to that starting four spot would affect them. But do you think that would suit Harrison Barnes more? I think it would suit the team better if the Kings had a better player to put in the starting lineup. Do you think like, that's why they haven't yet? Maybe yes. Yeah, I, and again, that's not that's not a knock on Trey Lyles. I mean, everyone knows that like Trey Lyles, I think is a very very good NBA player that helps you win basketball games. 
But I also look at his limitations and say, look, I'm not comfortable with him being a three, four in a switching defense. Like he's not that guy. He's a, he's a four five. And so that's why I, I kind of keep going back to, I understand what Mike's doing, but I also know that he doesn't have another option. You think there's a move they could make where maybe you're not bringing in like a star player per se, but like someone who can maybe fill that spot a little bit better than the four and then it allows you to keep Harrison Barnes still on the roster but bring him off the bench maybe? I mean, maybe, but I mean, those those moves aren't easy. Yeah. So like if they could go get Bruce Brown, right? So if you could bring in Bruce Brown and whether he's playing off the bench or he's starting, like to get that athletic, powerful, you know, six foot five wing defender, right? That That I think everybody knows he brings a little something different than what Harrison Barnes does. Like, that's a move that I would consider. And if there's a way to make that trade where somehow you piece together 22 million bucks in salary or you got to be within like 25%, right? Yeah. So it might it might be like 17, 16 million dollars in salary to go out and get Bruce Brown. I haven't done all the math on what it is it would be to get that specific player. But if you were to do that and add him to the mix, yeah, I think that that would be a good thing for the Kings. Like you need a player like that. It's why they... They keep going to Chris Duarte, uh, and, and it, you know what I mean? It's like why, why they keep doing some of the things that they're doing is they're looking for that style of player. Hey, look, the great Jerry Reynolds has joined us. What's what's up, Jerry? Uh, right there. You can sit right there. Uh, take your seat on the stool. I'll, I'll, fire, I'll, I'll add you to the conversation. We got Jesse here in the back room, too. You can't hear Jesse, but I'm gonna pop out and let you guys let you guys um, chop it up. Okay, cool. Um, all right, that sounds, that sounds good. good to me. You, you got that, Jesse? The audio? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I did click it off in here. There's Jer. What's up, dude? Much, you know, nice warm day. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about hoping that maybe I can mow my yard here this afternoon. So that's a you're gonna go mow your 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 yard. I'm hoping to, you know, it's been kind of wet, you know, I need, cause there's more <laughs> rain coming in, you know, I got, you know, when you're, when you're retired, you look forward to mowing your yard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I miss, that's the one thing I miss about living in Roseville is maintaining a, uh, a lawn. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So it's one thing that, uh, you know, I, I like having a nice green lawn, a backyard, a front yard. Uh, how you been? Oh, good, good, pretty good. You All know, right. Had you know a few little setbacks for being darn near eighty. So, uh, but you know, uh, as good as it's gonna get. As good as it's gonna get. Um, we saw the Sacramento Kings walk into a game last night, and uh, some weird things happen. I, I, I mean, I know you're a basketball junkie, but uh, were you surprised to see Harrison Barnes all of a sudden look like Harrison Barnes out of nowhere? Yeah, you know, kind of the Harrison Barnes of the opening game against Utah. It's like very come out very aggressive and uh, obviously looking for his shot. It really created his own shot to some degree. And, uh, yeah, and had he not been like that, don't know if they could have won, you know, with uh, Fox uh, and Domas not being particularly effective offensively. Yeah, it's one of those games where I think one of the few times this season we've seen both Fox and Sabonis struggle offensively. Uh, where they combined for, I think it's, it's I just said this, 26 points, uh, 26, 27 points. Yeah. Neither one of them particularly dominant, except for uh, Sabonis on the glass. I thought he was absolutely incredible on the yeah. glass. Yeah. Um, but is it a good sign for the Kings that they have a game like that where somebody else steps up and they don't they don't lose? Well, I, I think anytime you win, it's a good sign, especially when you haven't been winning. So I'd probably put it, put it more like that but uh yeah you know it's i got a little mixed emotion i mean it's good that harrison had that kind of game obviously you'd like to see more of it uh and the bench was good mm -hmm. which uh you know that's been a problem for at least from my standpoint i expected the bench to be better this year and it was early and then you know we've had a period where the you know the bench has been outplayed uh, pretty consistently so you know there's like any game uh you know pluses minuses I, I i think you know the win's the main thing because with the schedule coming up boy you got to win every game and and the way the west is my goodness uh you know you lose two or three in a row and you could slip down into the play-in 
Yeah, as of right now, the Kings are the number seven spot, so they are in the play-in. And, I mean, that's clearly not where you want to end up here at the end of this season, but uh, there's plenty of games to be played. Um, when you're watching, okay, so you're the Caucasian Comet, right? You betcha. Uh, at 36 years old, were you throwing down dunks like what we saw from JaVale McGee last night? No, no, no. That was, a, <laughs> you know, obviously got a technical on it, but it was, you know, it was actually, I think it probably was a good thing. You know, brought a little excitement. And, and JaVale, you know, he's still very productive. You know, both he and Alex Lynn in their limited minutes whenever they – when Coach Brown kind of picks and chooses, but I, I I think they've been the least of the problems on the bench. I mean, it, you know, they get eight, ten minutes and usually are productive eight or ten minutes. It's funny you say that because I, I know last year it was such a glaring issue that this team had that when you went to the bench with Sabonis that the team, like, like fell apart completely. And we're just not seeing that this year, I think. Alex Lynn, I think, has been like very good in what limited minutes, and he doesn't do anything extraordinary. He's just big, and he gets in the way. Yeah, you know, he he stays in in his lane really well. You know, yes. he, uh, I think with Javale, sometimes he'll get out of his lane a little like the, bit, like the three last night. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but I think that. But the truth is, like you said, I I don't. Uh, you know, the team doesn't seem to lose ground with those guys as they did last year. I mean, so. You know, obviously they're not playing a lot of minutes, and and they they play hard. Of course, they know they're not going to play a lot of minutes, so you know they'll go in there and really uh, bust their humps and and uh, give give the Kings energy for sure. Yeah, I think so too. All right, we're going to step away. Uh, when we come back, we're going to sit here and hang out with Jerry Reynolds all uh, all in the eleven o'clock hour. We got all kinds of things to talk about. Uh, I, I we're going to draw from his expertise as a former coach as a former front office person uh and we're gonna like bring you up to the trade deadline basically with jerry reynolds so uh we're the insiders here on espn 1320 brought to you by jiffy loop we'll be back in just a minute Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 